stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Maddie Lowe. She's an account manager here at Zach's who has been on the show before. I think it was about the trading apps, millennials. Mm-hmm. We've, we've covered the millennials and the trading apps. We're kind of over that now. We're done with the, the trading apps. But she was on a couple of years ago when it was kind of the new thing to be in. And I asked her on this time to discuss a topic I've wanted to talk about for also a couple of years on the podcast now, and that is women in particular and investing. And specifically, are women better investors than men? This this rumor or theory has been out there floating around for a while now. Um, and I'm not really talking about trading because there are a lot more men who trade and anybody who's on like a stock twits platform knows that it's basically dominated by men. But I'm talking about like actual investing, the long-term investing. And when I first asked Maddie to be on the show, she was immediately like, oh, well, I haven't looked at my account in a while, right? <laughs> like you were like, oh, well, Robinhood, that's right. But I feel like that is why women are better investors because we do have the capabilities for whatever reason to just like put some money into certain stocks or ETFs or whatever, and then not really do much with it for quite some time. In fact, like even in my example, I put money into my 401k here at work at Saks and I, I don't know the last time I, I looked at it, but it's at least two years was the last time. And women tend to um, not, well, because they're not obsessing with it, they tend to ride out the ups and downs in the stock market better. And they don't panic when things turn <laughs> turn bad. Um, there's been a couple good articles out recently about women in investing. And one of the ones that I held on to was in Money Magazine, and it was from March of 2018. Now, unfortunately, Money Magazine no longer exists. It has, yes, it has left us. Uh, you can still get the articles online, however, and I, I don't know, are they putting content online? They might be, but just the actual print version is gone. But uh, Women Investing uh, was on the front cover of that issue, and it was called The Investing Gap, and it was by Sally Krawcheck, who's on the cover, and she operates Elvest, yeah. which is about women investing. And she's trying to get more women to invest. And there was a couple good uh, little tidbits in the article about how good women investors are. And um, one of the little tidbits was that studies have shown that when women finally do put money in, that they outperform men by about 1% a year in their returns. Now, you might think like, meh. Wow, that was like a shocker. My my microphone just tipped (laughs) over. But that's okay. We'll continue on. Um, But you might think that was like timed perfectly (laughs) when I was going to like reveal something. Um, But 
you might think that that 1% a year doesn't really matter. But over the course of 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, that really adds up to quite a bit of outperformance. So that's nice to see. And I do think other studies have shown that over several decades, the article says that, um, you know, women do outperform men. But the problem is women aren't getting in there at the same time as men. Mm. They're not investing at the same time and they're not investing as much in stocks or like a little bit more aggressive investments. Mm -hmm. So the article also did talk about that in their portfolios, women held 71% in cash. That's a really high percentage. Yeah, high. <laughs> men are even high. I was kind of surprised at this. Men are at 60. Mm. So that's even really high, but it's not, you know, you're not going to get the super huge portfolio with it sitting there in cash. So that's something that does need to be worked on. I, I was looking up a couple of the kind of inspirational women investor stories mm -hmm. to prepare for this podcast. And there was one from last year from 2018, and it was about a legal secretary in New York City, Sylvia Bloom. And she worked for the same New York City law firm for seven decades and she basically just started buying stocks when her boss bought stocks. Like she handled back then, the, the, the legal secretaries did everything. They like paid their boss's bills. Mm -hmm. They got the dry cleaning. And maybe she, you know, obviously maybe was handling the trades. Like he would say, go buy this or call my broker and buy this. So she would buy too, just in a smaller amount than what the partner was buying. Mm -hmm. And um, she apparently never told her husband, they don't think. Uh, he <laughs> was a, that. yeah, he was a firefighter. <laughs> and then he went on to do some other jobs too, even after he retired from firefighting. But when she died at 96, this was in 2016 is when she died. Um, she had three broker accounts through 11 banks, 11 bank accounts and three brokers. And she left $9 million. Wow. Yeah. So I like hearing these stories because um, it's definitely doable for just anybody to accumulate. Now, you don't have to necessarily set a goal of like, oh, I want the $9 million, mm -hmm. <laughs> But... There, it's easier to set, you know, the the smaller goals like the hundred thousand to get to first, and then you know maybe you could have that million dollar goal out there. That's definitely doable for many investors, especially millennials who are young enough where really compounding is is the big difference. And I don't know if you know does do people in your generation do do you think that way of like the compoundingness of it or are you investing mainly just for fun or or to try to maybe raise money for you know some kind of experience like a a trip or i don't know a big event like a wedding or something like that mm. i would say amongst friends i have that are my age um, my female friends tend to want to invest for the long term okay yeah they're thinking about where they're going to be in 10 years if their job is going to be the same job or if they're planning a career change um i'd say my male friends are more interested in that short-term right. uh, investing strategy yeah just the 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 game of it for yes. lack of a better word now do you ever have any discussions with them do they do you ever like trade like stock tips at all with uh, your friends not so much. No. Okay. I don't either, really. Yeah. It's more, we more talk about, uh, I guess, like more about the reason to invest in a company rather than tips. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so what does that entail? Like, what are the what are the hot ones that you might talk about now amongst um, your friends? Yeah, we're I I would say my friends are pretty like ethics minded. Like we okay. want we want sustainable investments in in kind of every sense of the word. Yeah, and I think we are excited about companies that are female owned and managed. Okay, yeah, that's a big thing now. There's whole ETFs which I'm going to cover on another podcast that are devoted to women in management of some kind. Mm. And they used to run a mutual fund even back into the 1990s that was women like on the board and all mm. of that. And I'm not sure if that one still exists. Well, Elevest now has a fund, um, The it's I think PXWEX, um, Elevest Women's Fund. And yeah, it tracks companies that are women-owned, managed, or um, committed in their mission towards gender equity. What do you think about uh, investing in, you know, quote unquote, women stocks, not the ones where they're just like in management or something, mm. but women focused areas, I guess you, I could say. So like the stocks like that do beauty, like mm. Ulta or, um, a lot of the retail stocks that are more female oriented, like a Lululemon, although the men's business there is booming and that's going to really drive them going forward. But every time I'm on stock twits, it's always like, oh, those women in their yoga pants. <laughs> but I, do you uh. think that I know, do you think that women can find good investing ideas though, focusing on some areas that are considered to be like women's investing? I would say yes. Uh, for for certain types of investors, you know, you you look at a company that you actually interact with besides buying and selling their shares. Like Ulta, yeah. like pe women go to Ulta, buy makeup, buy products. So it for makes sure. sense to start if you're new to investing, to start looking at companies that you actually already have that relationship with that you would trust and have a stake in as an investor. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I own Ulta in my, and Lulu. I just bought Lulu though. So we'll see how that one turns out. But I've owned Ulta for numerous years. And I have bought them because I feel like I do understand their business. Mm -hmm. And so that was easy for me. I still own some kind of male-dominated type of one, some tech companies mm -hmm. and stuff that would be considered more male, I guess, mm -hmm. if you want to call it that. But I don't really see... Um, that there is any difference. Like when I'm investing, I invest for the company and its earnings mm -hmm. and its future growth potential. Um, so I don't know, like, you know, some people tend to put them in these categories, but I don't think that does anybody any favors, really. No, not necessarily. I think it sometimes making a gender distinction is only useful to people trying to discriminate. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you're looking at performance and earnings, it really shouldn't matter. You're right. Right. Um, OK. What about um, what about investing in like social media stocks and things like that? Like women tend to dominate on use of those. They're mm. not really dominating in terms of running them, I'm afraid to say, no. although there are some women like Sheryl Sandberg at the top of some of them. But um what what do you think what is what do millennials and your friends think about investing in the social media are those still hot they used to be like 5 years ago right i think that it was kind of like that dot com boom yeah um i would say there's it's it's kind of like swimming in a water temperature that like just feels like the air outside like at this point they're just so ubiquitous that i think people are starting to uh get distracted maybe and and forget that these are really viable investment options yeah 
Um, Facebook owns Instagram. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people love Instagram and don't realize, although I'm kind of surprised if they don't realize yet that Facebook owns it. So if you want to own Instagram, you have to buy Facebook. Also, similarly, although I don't feel like anybody is like, I must own LinkedIn, but Microsoft, (laughs) I don't know why that is, but (laughs) Microsoft owns LinkedIn. So that's a way you can own some of these kind of social media companies um, without actually, you know, well, Twitter is Twitter. So you're just going to buy that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. So what about like the longer term investing outlook? Do you trust yourself? Do your friends trust, mm. trust themselves to invest for the long term? Cause a lot of the women I talk to feel like they aren't sure mm. on, on buying a company that they may want to own for 10 or 20 years. And so they kind of reluctantly invest or they just don't trust kind of their instincts on some of the longer term outlook. Hmm. Do you see that at all? Um, what's what's your take on like, you know, thinking look a lot longer term? The long term. Yeah, I would say, unfortunately, it's it's a pretty common thing. The more I talk to people that that women tend not to trust their instincts when yeah. really their instincts are quite good. Right. Uh, and I think that learning to go around that in yourself, I think can make everyone a better investor. Um, I'm really lucky because my mom is an accountant. Okay. So I was, I was raised with a really strong sense of financial literacy in my household. Yeah, uh, She did the finances for our family. Um, and I, I, I have a younger sister, so there was never like a gender gap in the way I was raised compared to a sibling, for example. Yeah. Um, so I feel really fortunate to have always had like a strong financial head. Yeah, that is good. Um, and she worked with me to to talk about long-term investments and starting young. Um, so I, f- I feel uh, prepared in a way that I think a lot of my peers don't right now as far as making long-term investment decisions. Um, I read somewhere that women are not necessarily risk-averse, but they're risk-aware. Okay. Uh, so What does that mean? So rather than not taking a risk because you're aware of the potential downside of the risk, you're just more cautious about entering that risk, which okay. I think is – a very good thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's a survival skill. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's something that applies to all aspects of life. Um, but as far as investing, I think people, yeah, I, I feel lukewarm about taking a risky investment sometimes. Um, okay. but yeah, so my, my long-term portfolio right now is, is mostly funds, mostly money market. Okay. Uh, yeah. Low, low risk, but long-term. Yeah. I wonder if that translates to individual stock investing as mm. well. Like if, you know, there's just simply more men in, say, a recent IPO that launched or mm. companies that don't have earnings or those kinds of things. I haven't seen the studies. I'm sure someone's looking at it versus, mm. you know, all these platforms have the data now for right. the most part. They know what the men are buying versus what the women are buying That's on so there. That's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So I would like to know, this is like a mind over money type question for Kevin Cook, who does a lot of podcasts on this kind of issue yeah. <laughs> about whether or not, um, you know, they go into different things. I'm assuming yes. I'm assuming actually. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been thinking a lot about like stock market investing and uh, what I love about 
what Zax has to offer is that it's it's very democratic. Like anyone can use the platform. Right. Um, but we have all these, you know, demographic kind of silos for different types of investing. And if it was more democratized, if if like the stock market IPO investing was more diverse in terms of gender, age, income, background, I think stock prices would be probably more stable and better reflect like the actual value of the company rather than the actual value a certain silo of people assigned to it because of what they heard on the news that day yeah and the computers don't forget about Mm -hmm. them because they're really messing around in a lot of these stacks now unfortunately so and they just do their own thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but no that is a good point yeah and I noticed when I was researching a lot of these uh long-term investing women who then left, you know, millions of dollars behind Mm -hmm. that they mainly did invest in kind of, I wouldn't call it conservative, but kind of conservative, like companies that paid dividends Mm. that, you know, gave out income every year, um, you know, that weren't in like new startup industries, but some of that also may just happen to be like the time frame of when they were investing. Although some of them were investing in a lot of the uh, medical type of companies, like the drug stocks Mm. and things like that. So that's a little riskier because you never know whether or not they're going to find that drug or, you know, things go off patent, all this other stuff happens. But um, yeah, I noticed that it's not, you don't see, at least by the time they um, die and then (laughs) their portfolio becomes known. And Mm -hmm. sometimes all their portfolio isn't known, which I'm always mad about. Like to the reporters out there, if you're covering these stories, try to find out what they were invested in, for goodness sakes. Like we all want to know. And the other side of it is we probably aren't seeing the stories of women who lost everything. Like that's not going to get reported on. Right. So yeah, it'd be good to see both sides of what did pay off over decades and decades and what didn't. Right. Um, yeah. I don't think it would be as inspirational. If we- <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you just keep in like a more conservative stock portfolio over decades, you haven't done poorly mm-hmm. as long as you're not market timing it, which is where I think women get our, get their better returns is mm. from they don't panic when we have like t- 2008, 2009. Uh, they would tend to stay in versus getting out, which a lot of men did. Mm-hmm. And then they, I feel like, um, you know, can ride out these ups and downs so much better. And if you're in stocks over the much longer term, like decades and decades, the volatility really flattens out. It's just, it just isn't that volatile if you've owned all those years. Mm. Like, for instance, my grandmother owned Exxon Mobil starting from the 19, or early 1970s. It was like 1971. She inherited some shares from mm. her dad. And then she just basically never sold any. <laughs> she sold a small percentage to like get her um, portfolio more in line. But she owned those well, gee, let me think, at least over 40 years in there. And all the ups and downs, Exxon had some huge sell-offs amongst all those decades. And some years where it was awful, like year after year, but she kept getting the dividend and like reinvesting that dividend. Mm. So over the span of 40 plus years, it turned out okay for her. Now, one of the downer downsides to that kind of investing is that 
all investors, not just women, but um, all investors should be paying attention to like what's happening with their stock and the, that mm-hmm. company. So my grandma got kind of lucky that she was in Exxon, which still exists and is still, um, you know, earning money, but plenty of companies no longer exist that did for even like 40 or 50 years. And they, you know, run into technological advances or their product suddenly is no longer needed. Think like, you know, if you were a blacksmith back in the day, uh-huh. it was it got real rough for you, you know, <laughs> later on. That so, pesky industrial revolution. Yes. Um, so that is something to keep in mind, too. Like we hear these stories, but usually these women investors have more than one stock, obviously. Mm. And then um, some work out and some don't. But the ones that do are the ones that drive the portfolio because you can get these big winners. Okay. Like, are there there any other like issues, like concerns just on women and investing? I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful that more women will be investing now because they're being exposed to Robin Hood and these Mm. super easy ways to invest now. And now that a lot of the online brokers are going to basically free trading over there too, you can set up an account with a super small amount of money. I've always said this, like a lot of them don't need a lot of cash to go in there. Right. And you can even add like small amounts to a lot of these, although they did get rid of my favorite share builder plan. Now I'm still crying about my share builder going away that Uh I could do like 25 bucks and it would buy randomly. I feel like women like the share builder more too, but um, it would buy, you could set it up to buy on any Tuesday at 10 a.m., like whatever you're buying. Oh. So you're not really trading it. And so you don't know what the price is going to be when it goes to buy it. Mm-hmm. And I could literally buy like $100 of whatever stock and it would buy like 1.2 shares or whatever. And I kind of got mocked a lot by some of my coworkers when I originally started doing it out in Silicon Valley. <laughs> Um, around the dot-com eras when that those plans like launched and it seemed like oh it's so small that little amount you're putting in but it adds up all these small amounts do add up because in these stories of these women who were investing for 30 40 50 years they didn't start off with a large amount of money either Mm. and it's just these little bit investing over and over the course of numerous years that add up and then you get the dividend. Yeah. What appeals to me about that strategy is you're sort of, you're acknowledging that the risk exists. So you're risk aware. Yes. Uh, but you're not averse to the risk because you're saying, I accept it, whatever it's going to be every Tuesday for the next X number of weeks. Right. It's like combining the best of both worlds in that way. Yeah. So hear that, anyone out there? <laughs> Bring back the share builder. It was so good, but no, it's gone away now. I've tried to kind of recreate it, um, but you can't because nobody is really offering that like every Tuesday thing anymore. Huh. So all I can do is just kind of buy on my own like every Tuesday. It's kind yeah. of a drag. It's not as like automatic. Mm. So yeah, it's a a drag. But back to the other things to talk about, okay. about <laughs> uh, women investing. I think what, what Elevest, in my experience reading their stuff, has done really well is make it clear how holistic m- women and money and investing is. Like the, the barriers to entry, like it just it goes through, you know, things like student debt, which is a fairly recent generational thing. Yes. Um, the gender pay gap, which is still very much a thing that yeah. often doesn't get talked about in workplaces, especially. 
um, women being uh, unwilling to enter, even though they might be qualified enough, even if they don't think they are. Yeah. Um, so I really like that they tackle investing from all those different points that are specific to women investors, maybe. Um, yeah, I feel like some women, you know, they're not confident going in there and they really should be. Yeah. And they make it they make it seem important. They make it seem like a fundamental thing that women should talk about investing. Yeah. Often that's the first step to getting where you're trying to go is like being willing to talk about it, especially with other women. Um, yeah, because if if you don't have the representation, you're not going to, first of all, see yourself doing like like you said, like you're not going to see yourself making nine million dollars if you don't know that someone did that one right, time. Right, right. Um, but then it also translates into really real things. Like I saw that a lot of algorithms used by financial, uh, like wealth management people, is that um, the algorithms they use to calculate, okay, your salary over the next thirty years. Let's extrapolate that to what you could save or earn on the yeah. investment. Those are often based on male statistics, oh. statistics about men. So they and don't account for like women leaving the workforce to for a few years to raise their exactly. kids. Exactly. Way more common for stuff. women, yeah. gender pay gap, all those things. Yeah. Um, so without that visibility, without seeing yourself in that position of being able to invest, you're going to be subject to this algorithm that's not based on anything true about you. Right. Okay. Well, I'm hopeful that some of that is beginning to change now. Yeah. And I do think that there, even in Gen X, that there's a certain group of women investors. I know even back in the 90s, a lot of my friends were in these like women investing clubs mm. and those kind of went away over the years, but they managed to stay in them for quite a quite some time. And that was also a good way to get kind of like, um, you know, used to investing they they were super small amounts back then because they were all in their we were all in our 20s mm -hmm. <laughs> and so there wasn't a lot of money to go around but it was the sharing of ideas of like oh what should we buy because mm. it was a club so all the money was like pooled in there but that's also interesting to me because that's a way that you can get over some of the risk uh the worries about the risk is uh, like through a club or something like that um, but now I feel like Gen X women have graduated from that and they are running their own accounts on these various financial platforms. And I'm excited to kind of see how that develops as the Gen X heads towards retirement here. Oh, retirement. Ah. <laughs> um, to see if if all those years are paying off for the women investors and the men mm. um, along the way. But now with millennials and Gen Zs, there, it, and it's so easy to invest. I feel like this really needs to be, um, you know, hit on hard. Do they teach any of this at schools at all? Have you ever taken like a class through either like your high school or college or anything? Um, yeah, our, our home that? economics class in high school definitely offered some personal finance. Okay, wow. Very basic. But I would say I had an no. amazing uh cheerleader and coach in my mom. Yeah, it was your mom. <laughs> who was my main source of financial information growing up. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good too, because I feel like that will trickle down for the, as the more women invest, then it will get easier for mm. the next generations. Because as you said, they already are seeing someone mm -hmm. who's invested and it won't be a strange thing to them at all. 
All right. So this has been a good discussion. Women are better investors. The stats do show it. That's right, Tracy. I'm just going to put it out there, but they have to actually be invested (laughs) and it can't just be in cash. So get out of those cash positions, get into some stocks or ETFs or mutual funds, whatever you feel comfortable getting into, hire a financial advisor, whatever you need to do. Um, start an investment club, that kind of thing. That could be a a cool thing to do. Maybe we'll bring them back. Investment clubs. Those are fun. Um, but whatever you do get in the game because this legal secretary, um, in New York would not, you know, have left 9 million and she left it mostly to charities actually, uh, which is nice too. And she funded some scholarships at the local college as well with that money. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Don't miss out. Okay, we talked about a couple of different stocks and things on today's show. There were really no like recommendations. We were just like discussing some of them. So we did talk about Ulta, U-L-T-A, and Lululemon is out there, L-U-L-U. We didn't talk about Weight Watchers. That's considered to be another like female stock. I don't know, maybe because women run it. There is a woman CEO and then there's Oprah. But those shares, if you were in it, have been doing pretty nice lately. WW is now the ticker because they're focusing on wellness over there. WW, um, if you're interested in social media, of course, there's Facebook owns Instagram. So if you're spending hours a day, as many of us do on the Instagram, you might want to check out that one. Microsoft owns LinkedIn. Um, And then actually Pinterest has been one of the better performing IPOs recently too. And yes, I would say that's like a female centric stock. Give it whatever you want to call it, but it is, but that's okay. Um, So yeah, there's a lot you could be investing in if you just kind of want to go with what you know. And if that's an easy way for you to do it in the beginning, then that's what I recommend. Uh, Just go for what you know. That's what I've done. Although I do have to reveal, and I've revealed this on the podcast before, the second stock I ever bought, well, the first one was an airline. Don't ask. Like I didn't, I was, I didn't even (laughs) like to fly, but I did make money off it. So then I got real confident. And this was when I was like a teenager. And so then my second stock, I don't know why, but I bought Kmart Instead of buying Walmart, which was like the number one in the industry at the time, I went with the number two, which is dumb, but I did. And I didn't even shop at the Kmart. So I learned a lot of (laughs) lessons when I lost money owning that for numerous years. I didn't hold it all the way until, you know, it went like wherever it went, but... Um, if I would have owned Walmart, I could have been on some of these stories of the millions of dollars with my little investment in that one. But yeah, you know your instincts, you know what products and places and things you use and go to. So stick with some of the things you know, and I think that will serve you well. And as always, you want to subscribe to the podcast here because we're bringing it um, every week with some stock ideas. So you can do that on Apple Podcasts and on, um, we're on Spotify and we're on SoundCloud. And if you're just kind of interested in what's going on at Zach's, 
and what kind of information we have here, because we do have a lot of information, we're running a special promotion for all of you that are listening to the podcast. You can get it at zax.com slash promo, P-R-O-M-O, and it's Zax, Z-A-C-K-S dot com slash promo. And this is for our ultimate. It only costs a dollar, and you can go and check out all of our portfolios here. And we run a lot. So, you know, if you just want some stock ideas and all of that, I run the value investor and the insider trader portfolio, which is both of those are in the ultimate. We also have like the marijuana innovator and um, a whole bunch of other ones, healthcare and large caps. It's just, it's a good mix. Plus the dividends, if you're interested in those, but you can try it out for 30 days for only a buck at zax.com slash promo. Just go over there. And as always, I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.